All right, so today we're discussing the myth or the lie <coughs> that truth is relative. And basically, this is the postmodernist philosophy that all of you guys get taught on this campus. You're paying professors to tell you that there's nothing for them to teach you. Isn't that interesting? So anyway, we're going to discuss this lie and the impact that it has on each of us and our lives. A lot of Christians might think, theoretically, this lie is crazy, but then they live this lie in their, in their daily life by not living their life according to God's word, right? A lot of you might hear Christians say something like this. They might say, what does that verse mean to you? Have you ever been guilty of saying that? Probably we all have at some point. And it doesn't really matter what that verse means to you, because that verse was written by God. So it matters what that verse means to God, and why God meant that verse that way. And we have to know that so that we can live our life in accordance with God's word. But see, a lot of times we'll take the postmodern shift of our society or culture of our society and we'll apply it to our walks with God, and that can be disastrous. So today we're going to apply the, the idea that, and kind of the myth, the way we're stating it, is that truth is relative, ambiguous, unknowable, and unlivable. All right, that's kind of the myth that we're tackling today. And we're going to plug it through the filter of scripture, uh, biblical principles, the 21 characteristics of deception, the history, and the fruit of this lie. So we're going to start right out with, who's the first group doing scripture? It's you guys, right? Okay, Jake and Heather, it's all yours. It's good, everybody. So we have what the Bible specifically says about uh, this issue. Uh, so one of the first verses we have is Isaiah 44, 6-8. Uh, uh, and I'll read it. It's just great. Uh, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me, since I appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is, to, what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from, the, from, from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. So our God is the only one true God, and there's no other besides him. Um, the next verse we have is uh, John 14, 6, which uh, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Um, that's uh, pretty self-explanatory that um, Jesus is the way and the truth, and if he is the way and the truth, then nothing else can be the truth.
says, I am the way, truth, and life. And when Jesus says that he's the truth and the only truth, and since in Isaiah 44, he says that he's the only one living God, then that means he is true, and everything that he says is true. So, by that, um, in Matthew 22:37, it says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. So, Jesus says he's truth and God's truth. And this is in the Bible, then as a commandment to love God first and foremost and to love others as your neighbor. And that's basically what we um coming up with is like the principle is just to obey God and love him. And then Psalms nineteen where is that at? Nineteen says, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do not they do nothing wrong, they walk in his ways. They have laid down prospects prospect pro, precepts and that are fully obeyed. Oh that my ways are steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with the upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. So in this principle just obeying God's word and being quick to obeying what he says in his commandments. And um first uh, John five one forgot what it says. First John 5, 1, 2. It says, This is how we know that we love the children. That we, this is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out His commands. So by carrying out His commands, loving each other, love God above all else. Love other people as our neighbors. And also, I don't know, I just thought of this one at last minute. In Job 20, 28, for understanding God and following his commandments, it says, Fear the Lord, that is wisdom, and to shun evil is to understand. And when we do that, like, we're gonna, we're following his ways, we're obeying his commands, and we're fearing him, like, for who he is, not out of, like, fear, fear, but because we love him. And so, I think that's it, though. division among believers because if one perhaps like a baby Christian says oh well 
the truth, truth is relative that can they can be deceived by this and that can cause some division and disagreement. Yeah, okay. Um, the third one, flattery and nice sounding arguments that are actually empty but uh, deceptive and naive. Just say yes to this one. Um, that one goes along with In that, uh, well, yeah, um, nice sound, and then, okay, 15, sensuality and an appeal to people's fleshly desires and emotions. You could say there is no God, there is no heaven, there is no hell, and you could get like a free ride, you know, you don't have to worry, you don't have too many worries about like what you do in life or where you're going to end up. So that's definitely appealing to people who, you know, they just want to not think about it. God and stuff like that, not have to deal with the consequences of uh, life. Um, so, yes, number three, number four, distractions from simple and pure uh, devotion to Christ. You see, yeah, just because it's another one of those lies, you know. And then, number five, foolishness. We said yes because there's a lot of silly things that you could say truth is relative and end up bringing something that's very foolish and very silly and doesn't actually make much sense. And then physical roughness, we said no, this is more, I mean, maybe you could get physical roughness out of this, but for what we're talking about right now, we're just talking about ideas and that usually wouldn't involve direct physical roughness. Number seven, legalism and uh, manipulation. So we said no to that one. Number eight, special revelation from God. Uh, we ended up saying yes to that one. You had yes, yes. Yeah, explanation for that. Yeah. So we said um, speculation and wait, no, special revelation from God. Um, we said that was yes because. could take a doctrine and say, oh, well, this, originally it meant this, and you could say, well, if truth is relative and you're applying that to the doctrine, then you can completely manipulate it and make it into something that's not, didn't actually say it all in the first place. Yeah. Number nine, speculation and fruitless discussion. Uh, we said, yeah, because speculation is just like your opinion, and it's not based on Talk about it would be this in most cases. Um, just, yeah. Distraction from doing God's word by faith. Yeah, I think it comes from lack of faith or lack of understanding. So we said yes to, and it's obviously a distraction. So. confidence without understanding because if you okay so we thought about the 
the thought, God doesn't exist. You, you can have a certain amount of faith to say, God, God exists. But you have to have a whole lot more faith to say, God does not exist. And you have to have all the evidence in the world to say that God does not exist. And you don't have all the evidence in the world. It's kind of a self-defeating statement. And then, this does it continue going further and further away from the truth, and getting crazier and crazier? We thought this was a yes because you can start out with one idea that's a little bit off for like the, and it comes from truth being relative, and then based off of that, you can get something that's even more crazy, more crazy. It just this builds up on itself. Strange doctrines, myths, and stories that differ from sound doctrine. Uh, yeah, that goes along with uh, the one. That goes back to the one where you manipulate the No, just that you can take like um, you can take the truth and make it not the truth. Basically, tweak it to make it sound good. So, number fourteen, hidden agenda or secrecy about your beliefs and teachings. We actually we didn't say anything for that. Um, I, I feel like it's either, you know, it's, it's not really, um, it's not really a gray area. It's either truth or not truth. And we didn't think that you would maybe trying to hide anything. It's more like an out in the open. Because if you have something, that you're, if you have the truth that you're manipulating to make it sound better then you want to say that out in the open and try to attract more people to that truth. And this isn't really something that you wouldn't hide. So number 15, uh, sensuality and hidden peace and uh, appeal to people's fleshly desires and emotions. <coughs> and then a uh, sixteen Jesus Christianity gets bad rap. We weren't quite sure what to think about this one. We didn't think that this really applied to Christianity as much, just because, I don't know, you had a better explanation of that. Um, anyway, uh, we're just going to move on. Number can, I, can I make a note about yeah, that one, too? Go ahead, Nate. I think, like, broadly, the philosophy probably wouldn't. But if Christians live their lives on something other than God's truth, we definitely see that. Okay. But you're right, because just the flat out, most Christians aren't just going to come out and say, there is no truth. Yeah. But if we live our lives according to that philosophy, God's going to get really bad rap, you know? Yeah. Right? Is that the one? Yeah. yeah. So, number 17, greed and materialism. I really think this directly applied to greed and materialism. 
like an idea more than getting physical stuff. And then 18, uh, taking advantage of people, I, we thought you could definitely manipulate some doctrine to say and make it so you could definitely take advantage of people. And then um, we thought this could be pride too, because if you're going against what God says and just you know, say, I'm just going to do this all by myself, and this is definitely better than God's way, then that could definitely be one one thing too, like admitting that God is God, you are not good enough. Um, you have to like you have to have a certain amount of humility even to believe in God in the first place. And if you're super prideful, it's gonna be real tough for you to do that. So that's another reason. Yeah. And then promise of freedom or something more, uh, we thought this is definitely true because you could manipulate, um, you, could, you could see the, the laws and the regulations that God has set out for us and say, well, that's so constrictive, I don't want to, I don't want to live that out, that just feels like a jail to me, and say, oh, well, you don't have to do that, you just do this instead, and it feels like, it feels like freedom. And then the non-Christian actions could definitely lead to not doing what the Bible says. Good job, guys. on the history and the fruit of this issue, so, um, yeah. Um, yeah, and we just, we're going to look at um, Gnosticism and just kind of see what it said, and uh, so we kind of looked that up, and, uh, and also political correctness and postmodernism, too, is what we also looked at. And there's just two, two, two of the many examples that basically apply to this idea of um, relative truth or knowable truth. Um, Gnosticism, it arose around the time of, after Christ had died. The actual Gospels didn't come out until way later. You said it was 200 years or something like that. But the ideas were out there a lot earlier. You look at Galatians 1.6. And Paul is talking to the church, and he's telling them to not buy into other gospels. And he's a, he's surprised at how easy they buy into these. Um, he says, "I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who, the one who called you by grace of Christ, and are turning to different gospels." I mean, um, it's not clear, but you're talking made, and it looks like they were directing it towards the Gnostic gospels. And basically what Gnostics believe, and it still exists today, even though it's like starting to come back, I guess, is that, um, that they are the only ones that have the truth and everything else is evil. And it's for everything physical, you'd say, everything...
from this, this earth that is physical is evil. Everything spiritual isn't. Um, even though there could be some evil within that. But they also believe that they're only the Gnostics are the ones that are truly enlightened. And no one else can be enlightened. Therefore, it would go back to the unknowable. They think that the world around them has no way of knowing the truth. They're the select few. They can only know the truth. And the rest is unknowable. So, that's that. Now we're going to go into postmodernism. Yeah, today. And postmodernism today and political correctness, so we kind of looked at both of those. And really, what we came up with was that um, postmodernism is like the truth does not exist, and all knowledge is opinion, and truth becomes relative. And um, like on political correctness, um, it implies that one idea, cultural or human, can be better than others. You just definitely have your own truth. <clears throat> They're totally tied together, and it's dangerous because there's no parameters. And when you have no parameters, you look at it, it goes from worse to even more worse. You look at leaders like Mao, Hitler, Stalin, <coughs> they created some distorted, they bought into some form of a distorted thought. And it just, as soon as they let go, of a form of truth, it went, it went spiraling downhill. Um, the idea spent out of control, and their ambitious like desires to fulfill their own needs obviously increased. You look at all these leaders, and they, they killed millions of people. So, like, if they if they if they think it's all right to kill, then every opportunity that someone turns their back on them or they feel some form of resentment towards someone, they're going to think it's our right to kill. That's just a small example of what, you know, relative truth can, can do. Um, and so if you have no guideline or compass, it can get really dangerous. So that's basically what we're getting at. And that's what political correctness is today, I guess. Um, there's no specific compass. It's just a bracing of everything, and that's, that's dangerous. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I just like want to throw this out there a little bit. Um, to, to qualify for political correctness, I just thought this was interesting. It says you like must be pro-feminist, pro-gay, and pro-minority studies. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Good job, guys. <laughs> All right. So over here. Purple doesn't work, huh? Where'd you find it? Oh, good. <laughs> all right. I love how how every week when we go through all this, the scripture, the biblical principles, sign of deception, history, truth, they all line up, and you just get such a clear picture whether or not this is good or not good, right? And so postmodernism, you guys kind of touched on it, but it was a shift away from the scientific or fact-based uh, <coughs> foundation for knowledge, right? And they started saying there is no truth that we can know for sure. Some people started talking a lot about this back in the 1800s. Some of the ideas go back even further to way back when Plato even talked about this a bit and said all I have to, all I have to do to prove to you that that's wrong is for you to open your mouth. Because the second you start talking, you believe that what you're saying is worth listening to and therefore that there must be some truth out there and some falsity out there. 
right? So even way back when people were already discussing some of these ideas, but now in our lifetimes, they're actually gaining traction in the public mind, right? People are actually starting to think like this, uh, that there is no truth. And professors are even talking like this. How many of you guys have had a professor say something close to that in class? Okay, quite a few of you. Uh, I had professors say that too. So, Colossians 2.8 puts it this way, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. That's exactly what's happening here. People are saying, they're giving us this deceptive philosophy, saying there is no real truth. In fact, everything just goes back to your own traditions, your own preferences, your own ideas, your own thoughts. That's it. Bless you. Uh, and, and those are basic human principles, and it's not Jesus Christ. And Scripture is telling us, beware of that. See, see that it takes you captive through that. And like I said a minute ago, a lot of Christians embrace this in a, in a kind of a secret way. They start to think there is no truth. They start to live as if there is no truth. They might not outright say it, and some might even say it. We've actually I've had two Christian students this, this year alone, both last semester, Tell me that we can't judge the Nazis because we didn't understand their historical contexts. Okay, is that not absurd? All right, again, it's going, they're saying that the human traditions or the principles of this world need to be considered when we make a judgment about whether that was right or wrong. Does that make sense? It's crazy. But even some Christians are buying into things like this. So arguments for relativism and postmodernism are autophagic. That word basically means that they eat themselves up, okay? Uh, they don't make any sense. They are arguments that commit suicide. They are self-refuting statements. Here's an example of an autophagic statement, uh, and I think it was Greg Kokel shared this. I cannot speak a word in English. If I said that statement, what would you say? You just did speak a word in English. In other words, your statement, it can't possibly be true, because to say the thing in the first place, you're doing the opposite of what the statement says is possible. Does that make sense? So if the statement is true, the statement is false. Okay, That's how autophagic statements go. And those statements are almost exclusively what people use to defend their relativism. Here are 12 different examples. A lot of these come from uh, Michael Bauman, Greg Kokel, and others. Uh, you guys should listen to some of their MP3s or debates or read some of their books to get a lot more on all this stuff. But here are 12 statements that you probably hear all the time on campus. Number one, everything is relative. And you guys have these on the back of your page, on the back of your papers there, on the back of your notes. So keep them with you. Remember these. I want to challenge you. Next time a professor says one of these in class, challenge them. Stick your hand up and say, here's the answer. Because they need to be confronted when they're saying stuff like this. You're paying to be in that class. You shouldn't be taught outright lies. Everything is relative is statement number one. Well, if that statement is relative, then everything isn't relative. And if everything isn't relative, then that statement is wrong. Does that make sense? So if everything's relative, that statement is relative. And if that statement is relative, it's wrong. So it eats itself up. You see that? So next time someone says everything is relative, you can just hit a home run with that. There is no truth. You guys heard that one? We did a truth survey. It's on YouTube. You can go check it out under the Eternity Impact channel. And several people, I'd say, do you believe there's an absolute truth? No. One guy actually put it this way. He goes, absolutely not. I said, do you believe that's true? And he goes, absolutely. <laughs> so, couldn't believe he didn't catch this, right? So the statement, there is no truth, well, you could ask, is that a true statement? <laughs> because if it is a true statement, then it's wrong. See, it eats itself up if it's true. And if it's not true, well, then why did you just tell me that, right? 
Number three, there are no absolutes. Well, that's an absolute right there, right? Doesn't leave any other options. And, by the way, if there are no absolute truths, is that absolute absolutely true, right? Doesn't make any sense. It's an autophagic statement. It eats itself up. There is no right or wrong. All right, well, is that statement right? Apparently you think so if you're telling it to me, but if, it's, if there is no right or wrong, then you can't make that statement that there is no right or wrong, right? Because you can't say, no one can know any truth about religion. All right, and how precisely did you come to know that truth about religion? Does that make sense? You guys see how stupid these statements are? But well, we hear them all the time, and people just say them because they heard somebody else say them, or they read them on a bumper sticker or something like that. Science is the only sure method of finding truth. Have you guys ever heard that? Wow, okay, well, what scientific experiment taught you that truth, right? Isn't that interesting? <laughs> Coincidentally, you can't even apply the scientific method to science. Now, I'm not bashing science. I'm in chemistry, or my degree was in chemistry, right? So I love science. But science is limited in what it can tell us. And every good scientist should admit that. And everybody that, that is trying to use science as a way to destroy truth needs to know that that doesn't work. That is not going to happen, right? So, number seven, you can't know anything for sure. Okay, and how can you know that for sure, right? You can't know anything for sure. Can you know that you can't know anything for sure? Number eight, talking about God is meaningless, right? Some people might have told you that before. Well, is that statement about talking about God meaningless? If so, talking about God isn't meaningless. <laughs> and if you think it is meaningless, well, then why are you talking about it, right? <laughs> okay? It's these statements that we hear, they destroy themselves. And we need to be smart enough to catch them when we hear them. All religions are true. Haven't you guys heard that? Or maybe some yes. version of that, right? It's the same mountain. We're all climbing up different directions, but we're all going to get there. If all religions are true, and this is straight from Gregory Kogel, and these are his words, if all religions are true, then Christianity is true. But part of the truth of Christianity is that other religions are false. So either Christianity is correct and all others are false, or some other view is true and Christianity is false. Either way, all religions can't be true. Does that make sense? It's very, very, very straightforward. Actually, there's a, a book out right now by somebody that's not even a Christian, and the book is called God is Not One, right? And his whole point is that one of the worst things that society has done is try to say all religions are the same, because that actually has bred a lot of intolerance. Instead of recognizing that, that Christianity is very different from other religions, and all religions and worldviews are diametrically opposed and very different. If we realize that from the start, we're going to be tolerant of each other, right? Whereas if we're told they're all the same, what happens when somebody differs with that? How can you, how can you be so ignorant, right? It produces a lot of intolerance right away. So even non-Christians are coming to the perspective that we can't just say all religions are the same. We have to realize they're very different, right? And one is right and the others are wrong. Okay, number 10, you can only know truth through experience. Well, what experience led you to that truth? Right? If you can only know truth through experience, there'd be no way to know that statement in the first place. It eats itself up. Number 11, I don't think we should push specific values on anyone. Or maybe you'll be told this, don't push your values on me. Have you ever been told that? Don't push your truth on me. Wait a minute, isn't that what you're doing with that very statement? Your value is that you don't want to talk about religion, and you're telling me that I can't. You're pushing your value on me. Does that make sense? So the very second somebody says, don't push your truth on me, don't push your values on me, you could say, you just did that to me. You just pushed yours on me. Right? 
Okay, it eats itself up. Okay, finally, who's to say? And Michael Bauman talked about this one. Who's to say? He said it's an ad hominem attack. Really, what it's doing is it's hiding the argument and attacking the person. Who's to say, Jake? You can't tell me. Well, it doesn't matter. And he put it this way. He says, so you might think I'm a, I'm a stupid moron. Because that might be true. Doesn't mean that my argument's false, right? So as soon as someone says, who's to say, they're not dealing with the argument, but they're doing what's a philosophical fallacy. It's an ad hominem attack. It's attacking the person instead of the argument, <coughs> right? He said a good way to answer that is to say, who's to ask? <laughs> right? You just turn it around. Um, because they can't just end an argument by saying who's to say. Okay, finally, this isn't necessarily an autophagic statement. A lot of you guys hear another similar statement, and that's the statement that God doesn't exist. And Samantha hinted at this and actually said it when she was talking. That statement is impossible. It's a logical fallacy. You'd have to know all the information in the entire universe to be able to make an absolute negation like that, to say that God does not exist. Right? So when you hear any of these 13 statements, those 12 that destroy themselves, or the statement that God does not exist, we should be real quick to, to nip those in the bud and to stop them right there. So I want to ask you guys, and this is the end, we're going to close right here, how should we live our lives based on this? If truth really is true, and we have God's truth in his word, and this is the truth of the universe, the reality of the universe, we cannot not live this. It's like what Elijah said, if God is God, follow him, right? If truth is true, follow truth. It's really that simple. We can't just sit here and talk about truth being true without asking ourselves, well, if it's true, am I going to live it? And if it is true, and it is, we just showed that, how should I live my life in accordance with it? And I want to leave you with that question. Could you, also, here's the second question, could you possibly be silent about truth if truth is true? We couldn't. We cannot be silent or apathetic. So that's all we have for today. Next week we're going to talk about postmodernism, which kind of comes out of, or not postmodernism, but political correctness, which comes out of this. And I think it'll be good. I think if there's one thing that does more damage to the world than any other thing, it's, it's uh, political correctness. Right now at least, I, that could be an overstatement. Obviously selfishness maybe eclipses that. But maybe I could put it this way. If there's one modern philosophy that is doing more harm than any other, it could be political correctness, right? Because it's shutting up everybody that has the truth and saying, you're no, you know, your truth is no better than anybody else's. So we're going to talk about political correctness and what our response should be to that. All right, let's close it out. Cameron, will you pray for us? Sure. Cool. <coughs> Dear Lord, thank you. Um, first time that we had, Alan, just to learn more about um, the truth that you give us, God. And, um, just thank you for everything that you give us, Lord, and uh, just help us um, as we go out through the rest of the day. Um, just be with us and just thank you for um, your solid truth that we can always lean on, Lord. And, and thank you for your grace and Jesus. Amen. Amen. Have a great day, guys. <coughs>